Welcome to Digineer Presents Organizational Change in Today's World, a multi-part series to help ground organizational change experiences amidst the immediate and chaotic change that we're all facing. In today's episode, we'll be talking about organizational change and how that has pivoted over the past year. Here with me today is Carol Fletcher and Gus Broman, Senior Management Consultants at Digineer, who have extensive experience and focus on leading organizational change in our industries. Carol and Gus, thank you for being here with me today. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Go ahead, Gus. Well, I've been at Digineer over nine years. I'm an adjunct professor at uh, Bethel University, and uh, I've been at 11 different organizations doing organizational change management. It's ranged anywhere from the largest um, hospital in the world, best hospital in the world, I'll say, to a, the world's most renowned cleaning supply company, to a pharmaceutical benefits manager, to a beverage distributor. So just a wide variety. And I've been able to uh, exercise my gifts in, in that area. So I'm grateful for Digineer for that. And and actually at uh, two of my accounts, I was able to work with my great colleague, Carol Fletcher. Carol, tell us a little bit about you. Well, thanks, Gus. It is always fun to work with you. Uh, my name is Carol Fletcher. I have been an organizational change manager for over 15 years now, working with large organizations. Um, again, one of the largest healthcare organizations in the world, or the largest, I should say, as well as uh, working in the financial arena, working with um, accounting firms, working with uh, finance firms, um, doing all so sorts of levels of change management, whether it's at the project level or the organizational level, restructuring teams, restructuring um, businesses to kind of be ready to grow in the, the way that they're growing. So it's one of the things I really love, and, and I know Gus does too, so you probably get a lot of our, our excitement and passion around the topic. Yeah, we just have a couple of years of experience here on the, <laughs> on the line. One or two. So organizational change, right? It's a, it's a massive concept that has had many identities over the years. Um, to help kick us off, what is organizational change management for those who don't know, and what are some of those core methodologies that have lasted through the years? Well, it, it often gets confused with change management. You hear change management, and those are the code checker inners, checker outers. So you go to the change meeting, and it's all the technical people. And actually, five or seven years ago, Carol and I would, would go into clients, and they, they had no idea what organizational change management was. And we had to do education pieces on that before we even had, could say, mm -hmm. here's what we're going to do. However, when we were at an engagement, they'd say, hey, we need another Carol. We have another project starting up. Hey, we need another <laughs> Gus. So they knew it when they saw it, but they couldn't explain it. 
And so then Carol and I, uh, we started the user group at Digineer and started exploring the different methodologies and comparing and contrasting them. And, you know, we went, you know, we looked at McKinsey, we looked at Cotter, we looked at ProSci, or you could say Adcar, we looked at AIM, and we're like, how is it that we do it? And so it was just a real fun experience to just kind of walk through that it isn't just one different thing. It's executive coaching. It's finding a change agent, you know, and, and so we kind of went on this adventure together. Right, Carol? Yeah. And I think the interesting thing was, is we really did a true side-by-side comparison of these methodologies. Yeah. And we looked at the pros and cons of each because each has definite strengths and each have some gaps that we noticed as we were working with our clients. And so as we built out kind of our Digineer way, we built out a system that accounted for the best of the best and filled in some of the gaps that we were seeing. So it was a really uh, educational experience, but it was also fascinating to see um, that there are so many different flavors of change out there. um, And it's really finding the right one that works for you. Well, not only was it fascinating exploration, but it was a sanity check every week. Every Friday, it was (laughs) just like... I'm running into this, and then Carol's infectious laugh would take over, and then it's like, <laughs> oh, yes, good. You're running into the same things, yeah. and and it's similar to, like, PMI methodology. Have you ever managed a project using the full PMI methodology? And the answer to that is heck no. I mean, no one uses every single component in PMI. However, there are certain projects that you use certain components where you'll do the RFP or time value of money. And then, um, but then there are certain projects, you always need a timeline, you always need a budget. And, and so it was just really looking at Digineer saying, look at all these methodologies and how do we right size it for not only our clients, but our specific client in each and every engagement. Yeah, it's really all about the toolbox, right? You never just build a house with a hammer, right? You can't. It's impossible. You really have to have that toolbox. And when it comes to change management, it's no different. You have to have all your resources available. You have to understand when to use the hammer, when to use the saw, when to use the screwdriver, and really make sure that you're bringing um, the best game you can or the best thing you can to your client um, to meet their needs. Um, I, so I, I can't, I can't agree with everything Carol says. It's not just about the toolbox. It's how you use them. <laughs> yes, it is. I think about when I bought my house and my buddy Jim Grasso's like, hey, I'll bring over all my tools and you can build your deck and save yourself seven grand. Nope, I couldn't. I looked yes. at all of those tools and I had no idea how to use them. And so actually that's kind of the most common misperceptions is I'll go into a client and they're like, hey, just give me your templates and we'll do it. The magic isn't in the tools. It's in the people using the tools and it's an art blended with science. And actually it's uh, it's almost, it's worse if you just give them the tools because then they yeah. don't use it and then they hurt themselves like a seven-year-old with a saw. Well, and we've kind of swung back and forth a little bit between people thinking that change management is just this touchy-feely, let's go in and make everybody happy kind of approach, or give me a spreadsheet and I can do it myself approach. And it's really neither one of those. 
Um, it's yep. really about knowing the resources you have. It's about understanding people. It's about understanding the culture uh, where you work or where your client is. And it's really about crafting uh, a solution that works with them. And then I talk about change management so often as the rubber band approach, right? When you're working in an organization, there are certain things that are set in stone that you can't move. The thing that can adjust are the people and the processes, and that's that rubber band approach that we look at change management as being that rubber band. I think about change management too, and when you think of the real core competency of it and the purpose of change management, organizational change management, is something's changing in the environment, or there's a change initiative or a change goal, something's pivoting, something's changing, right? That that ignites the need for this this whole thing to occur. And the real purpose is to prepare the organization and the people to follow along that change in parallel. So by the time you need the organization to engage in that change, to adopt that change, they're ready. To me, that's the real purpose of change management, whether it's happening happening you know, uh, in a linear fashion, in a cyclical fashion, whether it's rubber banding, right. <laughs> as Carol had said, or whether it's chaotic. Yeah, and I think you see um, organizations looking at change management in maybe several different ways, right? Some look at it as just communication, and they really just want you to come in and build out a robust communication plan. And that's fine and good if that's what their true need is. There are other organizations that want you to come in and teach their managers how to manage change, which is another great thing to do. The challenge you run into is many of these managers already have full-time jobs, and adding this in seems extremely stressful to them. And I think where Digineer comes in is we come in kind of from a more holistic view. Let's help them do the change. Let's teach people along the way so that when we leave, they're better change managers than when we got there. And it's not because we locked them in conference rooms to have big, long seminars on what change management is. It's because we came along beside them and were able to show them how to do change appropriately for their organization. So going off of that, (laughs) change management has changed in and of itself over the years. (laughs) We're always adapting. Um, You know, over the past year, how has that influenced our approach to change management or or in your experiences, how has that changed? Well, in the past year, I mean, now people actually understand what change management, at least what the words are. So you don't have to explain you need change management as much. And so I went into a large um, organization and it was a organizational restructure where we were actually outsourcing all of the technology, you know, and they viewed it as an IT project. Well, if you're going to be, you know, laying off the entire help desk and moving it to a different organization, there's the people component. Like six years ago, they didn't even think about that. Now people are saying, hey, we're doing this project. It's going to be very disrupting. And we're going to need change management. Now, they think change management is different than what it really is, but at least there's the knowledge about it and it's easier Mm -hmm. to have the conversation. I think that 
COVID-19 has created a very unique situation from a change management perspective as well. Typically before COVID, what you would experience would be that a management level person or executive level would determine that some change needed to occur in the organization. And so you would kind of have a bit of that top-down approach to change and you have the buy-in and the pre-planning that maybe the executive or the C-suite had you know, did to kick off the change. What we're finding with COVID is everybody got hit with it at once. There was no more letting your executive leadership kind of start the ball rolling, put together the strategy, take time to understand what that strategy is, socialize it with the organization, and then start talking about change. It was like we got hit by a Mack truck and everybody had to figure out how to deal with it at the same time. And so we had some leaders that truly excelled because they could be nimble and adjust their approach and streamline how they, they um, help their teams manage change. And there were others who were just caught. They were deer in the headlight. They didn't know what to do. Um, and that's where they started um, reaching out to other change managers or people in their organization who were adapting better to the chain. And so it's created a very unique situation that I don't think we've really ever seen um, since change management really became a, a piece of most organizations. As change managers, how do you even begin to help leaders through times like that? You know, there's two things that are super important that are just the basics of OCM. Why? Why are we doing it? And like executives don't come in in the morning and say, I want to make everyone's life hell and I want to disrupt this organization. Like they just don't want to do that. But you have to clearly articulate the why. You know, it might be we need to increase sales. It might be we need to decrease expenses. And you have to be crystal clear about that messaging and not change it. Um, and then it shows strong leadership. Like, Here's why we're doing it. The other thing is you need to really talk about the what's in it for me. So the people on the teams where their lives are being disrupted, you have to kind of say, okay, what's in it for me? And sometimes there are positives that come out of change. You know, if you're a baseball player and, uh, you know, they move you from pitcher to the outfield, it's like, man, I want to be the pitcher. Well, what are the positives that you got moved to the outfield? Well, you can play every game now. You're not taking days off. You're not, and there isn't always a positive. I'm not going to be Pollyanna, but at least explore it and say there is a possibility for something positive to come out of it. And the other thing to remember is that all of us embrace change and love change. I'm going to say it again. All of us love change and embrace change. All of us have moved. All of us mm -hmm. have gone to school. Many of us have had children those are changes and we embrace it. What we don't like is when other people change things on us. And then that's when we get a little ticked off. And then that's where that messaging comes in. And that's what we're talking about here in the corporate setting of change management, managing those expectations. But remember, people, change isn't always bad. There can be positives that come out of it. And I think we've seen some of that even with the COVID response. We've seen organizations who maybe never even considered having their staff working remote quickly find ways to make that happen. Um, there is 
there are some positives there. There are also some negatives there. Um, but I think that, that it's forced organizations to look at how they do business in a different way. And I think they all, they all have gone through the same responses that we as individuals have gone through. The shock, the awe, the, how are we going to react to this? What does this mean for my lifestyle? What does this mean for how I work, how I can see, you know, visit family? go on vacations, what does this mean for my lifestyle? Organizations are saying, what does this mean for the culture of our organization and how we work? And can we still have a strong corporate culture when people aren't working in the same building together? And so their immediate reaction was very interesting to see. And then to watch how they processed that and turned it into a response that their employees could rally around. So here's how we can still be a community or a team. Um, even though we're not able to physically be together. Let's look at um, different ways of using technology that would bring us closer together and, and other options that are out there. We have organizations who, are, again, in healthcare have had to look at how do we see patients differently. We have virtual you know, patient care now that never existed before or rarely did. Um, and other things that I think are positives for the future, uh, but were definitely kind of created in that COVID response um, time frame. Yeah, when we look at helping leaders through chaotic change, it's really those transformational leaders who rise to the occasion. You had talked about Carol being nimble, the ones who can adapt and say, okay, I need to you know, evolve or change my view of work and take my focus from these, you know, aud audacious outcomes and really refocus them on the humanness, the humanity of my people. And how do we help these individuals through this change so that we all come out, you know, uh, uh, in the end, yeah. you know, with those outcomes intact. So I, I love that focus on humanity, Carol. You know I do. <laughs> <laughs> so a big part of what we do, I think, is we really, when you talk about change management, you're really talking about people. And I think yep. that's why so many of us really fall in love with this um, career path is because it's very connected to other people. And yeah, you get the frustrations and the anxiety they have around change. And you may hear... Um, negativity come at them, but as you walk them through the change, you watch the attitudes change as well. And you see the positivity show through, you see the, um, I'm going to be part of this show through. It doesn't happen 100% across the board, but when it happens, um, you go, okay, that's what makes my job worth doing every day. <laughs> I was working for a CIO and we were going through a complete organizational restructuring. I mentioned it earlier outsourcing all the technology and he had to lay off five people and he counted on me to choose who were the five that needed to go. And he was so nervous and he was um, a very compassionate CIO that cared. And so we identified the people and, uh, and I said, Hey, I'll be the guy to communicate it because I'm the outside guy and then they can hate me and then go away. And so I went up to one of the guys who was, you know, a little bit older, who was a low performer, the lowest performer on the team. And I said, hey, you know, we're going to need to let you go. We're outsourcing and uh, you will get a severance package. He's like, awesome. 
<laughs> great. I'm going to go to Menards. And I was like, what? I was like, so you're going to like ease into retirement and get a job at Menards? No, I'm going to Menards right now. I'm building a deck. You want to see it? And he shows his computer to me. And that's what he had been doing at work was planning how to build his deck. And he was so excited. He goes, I thought I was going to have to hang on another year and a half. But if I'm so I'm done today right now. And it was unconscionable how happy the guy was. And so let me ask you, what do you think happened to the morale in the group once he left? It went way up because the guy who did nothing at work was now gone. And it's that scenario that you can't even imagine. And I told the CIO and he couldn't believe it. Like, he goes, really? I was thinking that Lars, it's a made up name to protect the innocent. I thought he was going to have the hardest time with that. That's great. So, so there are positive things that can happen through this. And his whole group just took off because they no longer had the dead anchor to haul along. And I had a similar experience, but a little different result in that um, the first time I did change management, um, the manager who was in charge of a lot of these uh, leaders that I needed to work with did not necessarily buy into the concept, even though he acknowledged that we needed it. Um, and so when I went out to managers to really help find key people to work with on their teams, uh, I called them change agents at the time, um, to find those key people, I got either really good people or I got the worst people that I could possibly think of. In one case, I, I was assigned a woman who had been with the organization for a very long time, was very knowledgeable, but had the worst attitude that I've ever seen of an employee and had been written up and was given 90 days to straighten up or she would be fired. And I thought, wow, what do I do with this? Um, and instead of running away from that scenario, I embraced her and I said, look, let's work on this together because if you can learn how to manage change, whether they keep you here or not, you'll have a viable skill that you'll be able to use someplace else. And she was gracious enough to trust me to work with me on that. And interestingly enough, a year later, she was promoted. Um, and to see the impact that just learning how to manage change in your organization can have on your career path, not to mention her Um, happiness level at work and just the excitement to walk in the door versus dreading it every day skyrocketed for her. And, you know, those are the things that at the end of the day, that's why I do what I do. I love to see those things happen. You're not just changing behaviors or processes. You are impacting lives too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as this chaotic change continues, you know, as we continue with this, on into 2021, and we're helping to resolve some of these big changes. What's one or two unique things that you've changed or unique perspectives of change management that you're going to leverage or carry on into 2021? Well, the first one for me is the remote workplace. I mean, there's positives and negatives about it. And it's just which ones are you going to focus on? You know, it's it's and to just really show people that there are tons of positives and let's focus on those. Like the commute times are less and Hey, we can get more done. And, 
you know, yet at the same time, me being a hyper extrovert misses all those people, you know, so we, we can still talk about it and not bury it, but um, really focus on some of the positives that happened because we really had no choice. You either worked remotely or you did it. And so that's really something that I'm going to carry on. Um, and I'm still, you know, the one thing I miss as a change manager are those drive-bys. When I need to talk to the CIO, I don't want to schedule a, even a 15-minute meeting. I need to schedule a one-sentence question. And that's so much easier to do in person than, than uh, when you're remote. So I'm still working on pivoting on that front and, and doing that. I am is okay, but it isn't as productive and it doesn't seem as, ooh, I just happen to run into you type of way. So Carol, how about you looking into 2021? Um, I'm with you there, Gus, on the working remote and the finding new ways of connecting with people. Um, I think there's a lot out there that, that we do differently that we could even improve upon as we go into and through the rest of this year and into the next year. I think a lot of what we're finding within organizations is uh, it's really highlighted a lack of maybe documentation or process just on their own employees. So many have had to hire people during COVID who've never stepped foot in their office. And how do you onboard somebody like that? How do you bring in processes that make sense or tools or technologies? How do you shadow somebody effectively if you can't sit next to them? And so I think as we look into what this is going to do from just an employee and onboarding perspective going forward, I think companies are going to be very much more aware of, do we have the right things in place to make sure that we can bring people on regardless of the circumstances that are going on around us? Uh, but again, that connection is very difficult as a new person. Um, whether you're a consultant or whether you're an employee, as you're walking into a virtual office instead of a four-walled office, um, it's it can be challenging for folks. Well, I mean, we have gone from talking about the basics of organizational change to what it looks like in 2021. I This was an incredible conversation. So... I just want to say thank you, Carol and Gus, for your expertise and the great laughs today. Hey, thanks for the fun. Can we do it again? Thank you. (laughs) I think so. Awesome. (laughs) And thank you to all of our listeners. And please, please be on the lookout for episode two in the Digineer Presents Organizational Change in Today's World series, where we'll dive into how we react and respond in times of chaotic change. So be well and have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Digineer Presents, brought to you by Digineer. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and look for Digineer and all those social media platforms. We look forward to hearing from you.